This is how I win. How'd that get in there? Were you rushing or were you dragging? I drink your milkshake. What am I going to do with a soul anyways? You show me a pay stuff for $72,000 on it, I quit my job right now and I work for you. Yeah, Jake, it's Chinatown. All right, here we go. Coming with that fresh intro. Taylor, thanks for putting that together, dude. I didn't know you got those skills. My pleasure, man. I I thought it was time for a remix, and I hope you guys enjoyed those quotes as much as we do. Some of our faves. Yeah, we each contributed to it, and I feel like, you know, maybe over time, we would switch it up. But I was thinking that. It's like a seasonal update, maybe. Yeah. You know, as our tastes change, they evolve. I think we keep it, I don't know, Taylor, was it hard to put together? You can throw a new one in anytime we need, right? Nah, dude, I can throw in some new clips. Hell yeah. No, and it got me to watch Chinatown. It got me to revisit it. So, uh, thanks, Will, for uh, you of know, course. giving me the push, the nudge I needed. Because that movie was fantastic, and I had no idea. It's I, dude, it's so good. We we can do a pod on that entire. We need a whole episode on that one of these days. I need to convince it. convince Ben otherwise. <laughs> you know that it's a masterpiece as opposed to just <laughs> meh. I have. Such a stupid ass ape brain, dude. I, anything before 1980, and I just it doesn't connect usually. Sometimes it does, but usually it's hard for me to pay attention. You gotta change it, dude. I do. You gotta change that. I do. I'll. I'll. I know it's a good movie because I. I did like it. I just wasn't like you know. I wasn't yeah. hyped on it like you two. I need to get on board though. I got work to do. You'll get I, there. I know. I know. Well, <laughs> gents, we're not gonna talk about Chinatown today. I'm sorry. We'll save it for another day. We're going to talk about Jordan Peele's third installment in his, I don't know what we're calling it, his legacy. The, the Peelverse. The Peelverse. Peelverse. The Peelverse. <laughs> we got Nope, guys. Nope. Uh, I want to get your initial spoiler-free reactions to this, all right? I want, I want everyone that's hopping in here. This is a movie that absolutely can be spoiled. And we don't want to spoil it right off the bat because I think it's got a lot of merit walking into it, not knowing what the fuck is going to happen, which the trailer does an excellent job of. So walking in, Taylor, what were uh, or what was your reaction to the movie? Spoiler free. So my background with Peel, I really like Get Out. Thought it was awesome. Had a great time. I liked us, but I didn't love us. I thought it was. I thought it was just okay. It's not one that I wanted to go back to or revisit. But I am a fan of horror and a fan of his past stuff, so I was pretty excited as I was walking in. But I will say, spoiler-free reaction, I saw this on a weekday afternoon. I was on vacation, or the week of this movie came out. And the movie was not what I expected at all. It was very different than what I... especially. I thought it was very different from his first two movies in the Peelaverse. As far as tone, pacing, I thought it's definitely his biggest movie to date. But mm. um I think I went in with the wrong expectation. I was expecting one thing and got something kind of different. So that's that's kind of how I felt. I'm trying to be spoiler free here. Sure. But but that's how I felt going into it. It's it's a good movie, but I I didn't love it personally upon first watch. Mm. Bill Mo. So yeah, I I have I've enjoyed Jordan Peele's work Get Out 
I don't and then I don't think I've seen I, I haven't revisited his movies since theaters. I've experienced both of his movies in the theater. You know, I loved Get Out. Us was Us just kind of missed the mark for me. I yeah. that's not to say it wasn't a well made. I think it's almost just as well made as you know his other two movies. It's it's good. You can watch it. It's engaging. I as far as the ending, to me it kind of I don't know. It just kind of missed the mark for me. I didn't. I didn't jive with it. it didn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh-huh. Nope. Um, elevated. It, it was definitely a step up from us, and kind of reinvigorated my interest in Peel. Because after us, I was like, okay, is he just going to be kind of this? I don't know. It, I, I don't want to say Shyamalan, but like twist guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, like, I, and I was kind of expecting like, there's got to be something more to Nope, and not not just in a twist. From from like oh there's gonna be a twist in this movie but mm-hmm. like he's always going to have something to say, which I like that about him and I like the way that he works in his his messaging because, you know, he's a very good filmmaker like mm-hmm. he's a great filmmaker and you can just you can tell yeah. just by watching it and so by just spoiler free reaction it's a very good movie it's a very well put together well acted great performances. Um, and the story was there and there's some great subtext that we, we can yeah. dive into in spoilers, but I appreciate that, that I think Peel has a great ability of giving us an engaging narrative that everyone can get on board with and can watch the movie kind of like it has a more broad appeal, but the, he, he's so deliberate in his filmmaking that everything that I think, well, yeah, I, I think he's just he's everything he does is intentional. And I think yeah. that means that beyond just the straightforward narrative, you're able to di- deep dive into some subtext that he's leaving out there. For sure. I and look I at it. I look at his first two movies and I think I have a similar sentiment to both of you. Get Out, I thought was an a just a fantastic movie experience. I loved it. The movie on a rewatch isn't as strong. I think I've seen it really three times it's something about having the whole kind of story and premise known kind of undercuts the tension that existed right and i think a truth truly great thriller you always feel the tension yes. even if you know the outcome and the in that movie for some reason i don't know if it had it for me on a rewatch still really good us it just came off forgettable and i've only seen it once yeah. like you i only saw it once in the theater but I can't really remember the theme of that movie. I remember some of the set pieces. I remember some of like the jump scares kind of things. Mm-hmm. But that just didn't stick where I feel like I saw Nope. And I've been thinking about this movie every day since I saw yeah. it. And that to me is when I know something's kind of hit the spot. Yeah. Am I thinking about it? Because we watch so much stuff just in general as, as a culture. Some comes in and a lot goes out you don't even think about. Yeah. And this movie genre bended so much that I think it kind of threw people for a loop in a way. Because Taylor, I, I don't know. I'm gonna put some words in your mouth. Were you I think you were expecting kind of a horror movie. And then this is not a horror movie. Not to me. I didn't I didn't find it that way. Yeah, I was. I was expecting kind of like a creature horror film, right? You know, something mm-hmm. kind of like you know, it was the trailer didn't say a lot, but I think they kind of hinted at like alien shit in the in the trailer a little bit i didn't you just know like, i gotta be honest i didn't know it all with the trailer i you could have said anything showed up 
But I think you're probably right. In hindsight, it is kind of looking more paranormal than anything else. Yeah. And so I was expecting like, Sorry, not paranormal. Like yeah. Alien, yeah. Yeah. And I, it's definitely not a horror film. I mean, it might be a, like, I guess it's, it's kind of a, like a sci-fi thriller. Western. Western yeah. thriller. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Got, it's strong Western tropes. Oh, yeah. It, I think. Yeah. Very strong. So I think this movie you'll see as we I think we dive into it. It's going to be that is the through line for most people is the expectation versus what they got. Right. And I think if you walked in with not having as much expectation towards where it was going to go, that I think your experience probably will be better than if you walk in expecting a certain kind of movie and then you saw what you saw, because it doesn't take a traditional line of how it approaches anything, in my opinion. So. Anything else spoiler free before we start hopping in? No, I don't think so. I thought that it was a great trailer. I mean, good props great to trailer. The, the marketing for not giving away too much. I remember seeing the the teaser. You really didn't know anything. And I think the the last trailer I saw, I I felt like I was like, okay, so there's a UFO, you know, like you can see it in the trailer. It's like, okay, or something like it. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, I wasn't going to take that at face value because of his last two movies. I'm like, okay, this isn't just going to be what the trailer's showing us, but that that's kind of what I went in expecting. 100%. So I want to start with the quote that opens the movie because it shows up and, you know, without seeing the movie, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't have this like in my head after I watched, but it says it quotes a scripture, Nahum three, six, it says, I will cast abominable filth upon you, make you vile and make you a spectacle. That's how it opens. And then we go into the shot of Gordy, the ape covered in blood film set is just a wreck. And you're going, (laughs) what movie did I just walk into? Frankly, I, cause that was not how you expected that movie to start. Right. I think we had a kind of feel for who would be there. I didn't expect to see a monkey covered in blood when I started this movie. And that not either. And that that rolls into everything else we see uh, at the ranch. Uh, Kiki Palmer showing up who was electric in this movie. Man. Yeah, I thought great. I loved her the second she hit the screen, which you see her in the trailer. Um, it just this movie wasn't conventional. So I thought the opening scene was great with the dad. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was really good. It really set the t- the tone for the movie, I felt like. So we look at this movie shows up, and Taylor, I don't know if you want to give a quick synopsis, but we're at the ranch. Daniel Clue and his father are there talking. You, I think we already know they work with horses from the trailer, kind of get that vibe. And then out of nowhere, he's struck by an object. And it turns out to be, uh, is it a nickel or a dime? Went Or is it a quarter? Went straight into his head, right? I think it was a nickel, wasn't it? Was it a nickel? I can't remember already. Yeah, It's random shit falling random from the sky. Random shit falling from the sky. <laughs> At that point, did you guys have a clue what was going on? Did you have no? You no, making, I had like, no idea. Yeah, because there was random shit falling. He, he gets killed by that uh, piece of change. There's a key on a keychain falling into the horse. Right. And you're like, what is going on? And then from there, it just it kind of just it takes this so interesting to me how they could 
weave all this together like they did, right? Between the hoist trailer and then everything yeah. that starts to happen from there. So, um, yeah. So what were you guys thinking with the casting and how we had, you know, the cast they assembled for this one? I mean, Daniel Kalua is it Kalua? Daniel so. Kal- Kalua. Um, yeah. He, um, you know, I, I, I've been kind of like lukewarm on him. Hmm. And like he was great in Get Out and he's been in some other things, but he kind of just seems like a kind of single dynamic character. Yeah. Um, like he was in, I remember I saw him in Widows where he tried to play a really bad guy. Didn't totally work. He was in Black Panther, you know. Mm. It's okay. Um, I don't know. I I thought he killed it in this movie. I thought he played his part really well. Um, and again, it's not that he was doing something really different. I just think the dynamic that he brings worked perfectly for this particular role. Um, and then having him opposite Kiki Palmer just, I think, elevated. They they both fed off each other really really well. Mm-hmm. So that's to me for them to it was perfect to have them carry the whole movie because you were, they were engaging and they were interesting and you cared about what they were doing. And so having them kind of take the reins of the movie really made it work for me. Did you find his stoicism, Taylor, like effective? Cause I kind of have the same opinion that he's come off more one note to me in yeah. most of his roles. And I don't know if this is an exception for my being honest. Yeah. Like, I didn't feel like it, it seems like this was just kind of in his wheelhouse to to act this way. It didn't seem like he had to like do much to really get to where he needed to be for the for the role, I guess for the for the character. But I will say he did a good job of at least like he seemed a little more than one dimensional to me. Just like he's he's not like the strong silent type that has no fear of anything like there's multiple times in the movie where he's just like hell no <laughs> like it's yeah. out of there you know <laughs> like he's not like this just unbeatable just like kind of generic protagonist so but i agree i don't it's it's a little it feels a little one note i agree but well, you you make a good point though, because he does have the comedic chops that Peel would expect from anybody in his cast, right? Because mm-hmm. yeah. I I remember laughing at some of his reactions to stuff going on, right? And oh yeah, might have been a simple thing, but it still landed, you know, with his delivery, which which takes skill. Well, in a guy that's hangs out with horses all day, is probably not going to be super chatty, you know, when right. that's when that's his life. <laughs> He's just hanging out with animals. <laughs> Well, I think they, they, they gave just like just enough character background to understand his relationship with his dad and with mm-hmm. Kiki Palmer. And mm-hmm. I feel like, I don't know, he, I think Peel gave us like there was like one flashback of them and then there was some storytelling. And then obviously, I think even just the opening with his dad, I, I felt like they had just enough there to kind of understand what's going on in his head yep. and why he is the way he is. Yeah. And. It- his his motivation of kind of preserving his father's legacy was mm-hmm. conflicted. It, that's how I interpreted it. Like he had mixed feelings kind of about how his dad did things, but he was ultimately really proud of what he had put together. Yeah. Where I don't know if his he, clearly his skill set wasn't everything his father had. 
mm -hmm. far as being like how he could work with the film crew. You know, he was very, yeah. you know, I how he could Lord. present. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like he could not, when Kiki Palmer comes in and you see the contrast of like him yeah. trying to explain everything and it's just very like dull and she comes in and just everyone lights up. Oh, uh, like, love her. Great contrast. So, Great way to that kind of, movie. Yeah, and I think it kind of sets the tone. It's like they really do complement each other throughout the whole movie, mm -hmm. and in in a lot of different ways. And I think their yeah, it their works. sibling relationship felt believable to me. Mm -hmm. Like they kind of had the banter, kind of like the infighting that you have with your siblings. I feel like they did that pretty well. And there's something poetic about your children kind of possessing the best parts of you, right? Collectively. Yeah. And that's kind of yeah. how they came together as a pair, supporting each other, which is just nice. I, I, I really enjoyed Kiki Palmer's energy. I seriously can't say it enough because every time she was on screen, I just, I just loved the way she handled herself. She had such mm -hmm. a presence. Her lines, her delivery, I just thought it was great. So you have this kind of opening, soft opening. They're struggling as a business. They're trying to figure out how to handle the horses, which propels us to this amusement park western themed ranch out in central california is what i'm assuming tell you'd know better than me i think and we finally meet steven yoon in the in the movie who's jupe in the show and the scene leading into him showing his secret room from his 90s sitcom <laughs> life was when i knew this movie was something different and something special uh how did that scene work for you guys when he kind of shows what was it gordy's home or what was the name of the show yeah that, gordy's home gordy's home kind of the secret compartment in his like western office that has yeah. all this memorabilia from his people pay home. 50k a, a night to sleep to in. sleep in it <laughs> right <laughs> he comes in and we come to find out that there was a horrific event on the set of his show where he was a child star and this is very like if you watch Bojack Horseman, I kind of thought of that the most, but it would be like a Full House or any of those shows where it's kind of oh, yeah. friendly, right? Growing Pains. Growing Pains. Show. Yeah. Throw it in. It's just the most traditional show you could think of. And he starts to tell the story about the event that made them so infamous, which was the monkey on set that was a huge part of the show going ballistic. Going ape shit, you know? Going ape shit. We're going to throw that in. <laughs> and did he kill somebody? Oh, yeah. He killed the he one killed... guy. Gordy he... killed, like, killed two people. Yeah, and it mutilated. The... I thought he had killed the, the, was it the mom? Oh, I think he or killed what, the parents. Or would it have been the, oh, yeah, he killed the parents, but the sister is the one who got maimed, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I that's loved... right. I love that he was talking about the sketch on SNL. Yeah, that part. right. <laughs> Katan kills it. Dude, I, <laughs> Stephen Young was great in this movie. Incredible. Again, another great I wanted, performance. I wanted more of him. Like, yeah, I, was... I, I did too. Like, you could do a whole movie. Like, you could do a Nope, like, universe movie and just, <laughs> just focus on him. Uh -huh. Because he was such a great character. And his whole backstory... it. You could classify it as kind of derailing from the from the story or the movie, yeah. because it it really it's like a whole different movie inside this movie that you could explore this whole yes. other story of how he's dealing with this trauma. Um, you know, he experienced this as a small child on the set. Uh, we get a great flashback of it. One of the most disturbing things yeah. I, I think I've seen this year. Um, uh -huh. 
it's a horrific scene but and it just it's crazy it's cool to see how he's how 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 jordan peele shows that he's dealt with it and how he's Mm -hmm. coped with it like you said like he's like oh like what happened and he doesn't even address what happens because i think he doesn't want to face that reality he wants to just oh it's an snl sketch have you seen chris katani he's great and he tries to go off on that he wants to he doesn't want to address it head on and i remember kiki palmer right after that story she asks him again she's like okay now what really happened right it's like you're not even like (laughs) what's the story but he can't get to it and i just feel like he's totally found a way to like block that off and instead of dealing with it his way of dealing with it is capitalizing off of it monopolize yeah monopolizing on this tragedy on this tragedy i mean he's been a wild success story um basically revolving his whole life around that mo- that incident mm-hmm. the and that's a, one of the larger themes i think is how we each individually deal with trauma right do we oh, run yeah. away from our trauma do we try and bury our trauma you know, what is the difference? You try to make money off of your trauma. Do we make money off of our trauma? It's like, if I, I'm already traumatized, I might as well make some money off of it, right? Right. Better my life from it. And that kind of goes back to the whole idea of a spectacle that's kind of alluded to at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. It's like, what do we do with these spectacles, these things that happen to us that are unique, that may hurt us? How do we actually deal with it? And we see in this movie is multiple people trying to make a living and trying to make a name for themselves off of these things that we can't control. Yeah. It's, it's it, the idea of taming horses. It's like, yeah, there there's a horse, but you can't tame a predator, which we learned in this movie. You know, you think you can, or you, you could put it in a situation where you're like, well, I can kind of contain it or make it work for me. It's dangerous, but I kind of have a feel for it. Eventually you're going to get, you're going to get bit. You, or in this case, you're going to get sucked up into a giant umbrella and be in the most claustrophobic <laughs> scene of all time, guys. So we're in, are so we're in full on spoiler mode at this. Oh, point, we right? we left spoilers like forever ago, man. We, yeah, spoil away. Okay. Um. So I think my favorite kind of subplot of the whole movie was the cinematographer obsessed with getting the impossible shot. Yeah, I yeah. thought that was super interesting and fun. Like this, like. Just this the psycho that's just obsessed with getting the perfect shot. Uh, that guy killed it. I don't know that guy's name or what he's been in, but dude, he was he was uh, in the Three Musketeers. He was the villain. Holy cow! The one with like got- Keeper Sutherland and um, yeah. I mean, we watched that. I watched that as a kid growing up all the time. But yeah, he was uh he was the villain in Three Musketeers. So that voice. Iconic. Oh, he's a great voice. Most Jeez. gravelly voice of all time. Yeah, he's he's fighting for the most gravelly voice. So let's get into kind of the main prote- uh, antagonist, right? Yeah. Who in the in the movie is called Jean Jacket, or uh, whatever you want to call it. It's a, it's essentially a giant predator alien that's basically sky. shaped like a UFO. You know, it's circular disc. It um, looks like a saucer for looks sure. Looks like a saucer. How did you guys, did you think this was an effective villain monster for this movie? I I did. I thought it was creative. First of all, we never seen anything like it. So props to that. The idea, you know, you're taking this, you know, very popular, you know, theory of UFOs and you're, you know, you take that idea of aliens and UFOs and you work that into your movie 
and you provide just enough spin on it to make it original. Mm. It's like when, cause when Daniel Kalua, when he was like, Oh, I don't, what if it's not a shit? And I honestly didn't even understand what he meant by that. When he said that, yeah. like, what do you mean? It's not a ship. Like what, what is he talking about? <laughs> I really couldn't get my head around it. And then when it was revealed that it was like this living thing that was eating people and it was territorial and all it's a predator. I'm like, that is, it's genius. Like I, I really thought that was such a great idea. It kind of, because it takes the idea that we have about what we think of aliens, mm-hmm. UFOs. And now I actually think differently about it. It's like, Oh, okay. Like that's an interesting take on it. Uh huh. It, it honestly felt like the movie predator to me a little bit. It, mm-hmm. it felt kind of similar to the creature in, in predator. Just and, where it's basically it's an animal, like it's not like a ultra intelligent life. Form. It's not this conniving, mischievous, malicious being. It's just surviving. Yeah, yeah, it needs yeah. To it's, eat. It, it's like a bear, basically. Right. Yeah, it's picked a spot. There's enough people out here to stay fed. I thought it. I I lean with you, Will, on this because I felt it was very unique in it. In it. You have an expectation, and, and he does this really funny subversion where he has the kids from Jupes, the Jupes kids actually show up on his ranch yeah. and pretend to be aliens to scare, you know, Daniel Kaluuya in yeah. his barn. And you see these traditional looking aliens, and, and in that moment, I was like, holy shit, we're seeing the aliens. Yeah. Like, like this is, these are the aliens. Like, this is, we're in this kind of movie. We're in this kind of movie. And that was exhilarating in a way, but also it was so on the nose to find out it's like ah it's just kids being kids yeah and then then it comes back to oh this is again it's nature we're dealing with it's Mm -hmm. not it's not a group of individuals that want to cause harm or have like a plan it's like no it's just just this thing here yeah you're you're trying to to deal with with nature yeah well well, i thought it was kind of interesting just uh, as far as like looking at people right the like the jupe clan steven yoon they basically start worshiping the the creature a little bit with his well well Stephen Yoon he's basically been trying to tame it this whole time because I think the the first time he actually makes it into a show that goes wrong I I think really am I did I understand that wrong in the movie it felt like that was like oh that's the first time he's doing it for an audience whereas before because Daniel Kaluuya kind of watches him at night. Mm-hmm. where he's feeding it and you kind of get a glimpse and you don't really know what's going on at the time. Yeah. But looking back, it makes sense. Cause I think he's trying to tame it. He's feeding the horses. And so he's thinking he can do it again when he brings mm-hmm. the live audience and then it turns on everyone. And so I, my understanding is he'd been doing it for the past six months that he had a relationship. With yeah. The... That he, right. he just had been doing it with, with the alien, but he hadn't been doing it with a live audience that mm. whole time. That was my understanding. I thought he had an audience based on the kind the of whole time setup. I think. Yeah. I think that, I think it was just coming. It came earlier than normal. I think that was right. what was going on. And, and remind me, did he accidentally feed it one time? And then he realized, Oh, this is a thing or like, I don't know that we knew to do that. Yeah. I don't think I don't... they say. Yeah. Cause remember he was going to tell the story, right? He was like, right. Oh, we were, we encountered it this one night. Blah, yes. blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, but we don't really get, I guess, the whole story as to how that happened, but how he figured that out. Um, you know, but yeah, I don't know. I thought that 
Because, you know, like he's in there rehearsing the lines almost as if he were doing it for the first time, but maybe mm-hmm. he just does that every time. Um, Show me, I don't man. know. Yeah, I don't know. So either prepared. way, I think it's interesting for his character because the chimp, you look back to that, where they tried to tame this animal, use him for entertainment for the show. Well, now he's trying to do the exact same thing, mm-hmm. albeit a new, a much more dangerous, unknown predator or animal or creature yeah. or whatever and ends up doing the exact same thing <laughs> to him and it's almost that like when he looks up at it it's almost like he's just accepting his fate fine because he's like yeah. shit he's like i you know i deserve this kind of thing <laughs> i've dodged this for how long and now it's finally a, the reckoning is here yeah N- tell me if i was way off base did you feel like in some way the gordy monkey freak out was connected to whatever was happening at the ranch. Like I was, I was looking for ways to say that this freak out was somehow connected to something else bigger than itself. Like that caused the animal to go crazy. Like, I didn't know if there was some kind of phenomenon occurring that was making living creatures go nuts. You know, like I didn't know if the horses were eventually going to lose their shit, but in reality it was just, Gordy had one had a bad day, I guess. Yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you really hear like the balloon day. pops and that's what kind of right. set him off. Um, no, I think I think what it alludes to and rather than something literal that's happening in the present and on the on the ranch, mm-hmm. I just think it alludes in my opinion, I think it alludes to something bigger. It's trying to just say I think there's so much to dissect about the whole Gordy situation. I mean, obviously the one obvious one is just trying to tame the tame the wild and capitalize mm-hmm. and use these you know use nature as a spectacle to make money you know or something like that and then i, I just want to let's just get to where he notices the shoe that's standing up yeah. what, what was your guys's takeaway of the shoe and the importance of it because he did have it in his showroom and his in yeah. a case in and you see box. him stare at it because it's a weird thing it's the shoes are standing up by itself but what it, what was your guys' takeaways to what that could mean? To I'll let you hit it first. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I have a, like an answer for you. I uh, I honestly don't know. So I'll, I'll let you go, Ben. I've thought about this, and I watched a few people's opinions on this. Mm-hmm. Some of the consensus is that it it's along the line of a bad miracle. It's kind of that theme of it's something that happened. It's not good per se, but it's something that is unique in its occurrence. And is it tied to something bigger than itself? I think it kind of goes back to like Jean Jacket. I think people would take a lot of significance in seeing something like that, right? Mm-hmm. But in some ways, it's just another day, man. It's just like we all wake up and brush our teeth and go to work. It's like that thing just exists, does its thing all day. You know, and it kind of just has its place in this universe. And we we put significance into things that maybe aren't, but they still kind of resonate with us. Right. And that shoe yeah. to Stephen Yoon, it's like that encompasses everything horrible in that day. But also at the same point, he looked over and saw that shoe standing up on itself and thought, holy shit, how is that even possible? You know, it's it's it's. It's almost not related at all to what yeah. he went through, yet it yeah. it is. It's going to always be, you know? I, that's kind of how I saw it, which is probably not very coherent, but... No, I, I like your takeaway. 
I thought that was I, I think that's a good understanding. I, I, I like the the idea that, you know, how we put significance in certain things, you know, and what I I guess. And in that moment, he's putting great significance on the shoe. Mm-hmm. And I think in part to try to not absorb what's happening around that yeah. shoe. And I think he likes that shoe and he keeps it in his, and that he even have, has it in his storeroom or on his, on his display because it does represent, you know, it helps him ignore that day because yes. like, everything that happened on that set, because he could become so obsessed with that occurrence that it was helping him avoid actually addressing what had happened. Cause it, it's obvious he's never addressed what's happened no. with the no. SNL skit. He's brushing it off, you know, with the shoe, with everything. And now he's trying to tame as if, he, as if he's learned nothing, you know, uh-huh. from his experience. Now he's trying to tame some wild creature for the same purposes. And it's, yeah, I mean, there's just so much there in that whole Gordy <laughs> sequence, which is incredible because it's not a long sequence. No. Uh, it's no. fairly short. Five but to ten minutes. so effective. Probably. Yeah. It's maniacal when he tells the SNL story, truly. Oh yeah, people die on set, and him just laughing, and I'm like, "Wow!" Like you said, Catan, just a master. <laughs> He's just like, oh, he was legendary. <laughs> legendary. Chris just, can't do it Killed better than those it. guys. Oh, it was havoc, guys. Let me tell you, my goodness. Oh man. Yeah, he's um, just making light of it. I don't know. So light. So, and that's when you get the full flashback, and he's under the table. Oh yeah. Oh man, and it's almost tragic because you see Gordy kind of turn a corner. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was he was ready to cool down a little bit. Oh my goodness. Um, I think somebody else we need to give some love, and I want to get your guys uh, your thoughts on him. Our boy from Fries, and I'm not remembering yeah. his name. Angel. 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 Just great. And this great is great character. Uh, you know, Peel is like he's a master of comedy. He knows how to place these characters into a story and make them believable and just naturally funny. It's just yeah. all teed up. 100%. Just, just the levity, the little quirks about him. He's just great. Um, and rest in peace, fries. Uh, we had a fries when we lived in Oregon back in the day, but I think they're all gone now. So I didn't even know fries was a real place. Yeah. Or a real, real business. Place. I thought he oh, just made dude. it up. It, it was like, you know, Hastings? Yeah. And Best Buy? Oh yeah, Radio Shack, Circuit City, all of just it in massive, one. Yeah. huge, dude. You wow! Build a computer. You could buy any CD you ever wanted. Of course, you got the video games, dude. Like it's a legit store. So that's awesome. It's a bummer. It's gone. Oh man. Um. All right. So we got to talk. So Stephen Yoon, he's such a highlight today, and I agree with you. Like I wish he could have been in the movie longer. Give him another scene. I think his place in the movie. It's just phenomenal, and there's so much to pull from that. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about the scene when they all get sucked up? Because I got to tell you guys, I think that's the most disturbing death scene I've seen in a long time, where I was viscerally upset. I felt uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm already a little claustrophobic. Like The idea of being like in a tunnel or something where I can't move my oh, arms. Man. Yeah. To see you just in this tube with how many other people? <laughs> Just stuck, oh my screaming, gosh. floating around, children. It kind of looked like a bouncy house. It did. Material a little bit. Yes. Like, there. like when you had to squeeze through like a haunted house, you know, when they have those like tubes you got to go through, but it's just like going vertical. Yeah. Yep. Did you guys it, have that same reaction or was I just being a baby? 
No, dude, I, it's it's it like it's hard to watch <laughs> and it's effective. And I think it was cool that Peel decided to sh- to show that, show like it. what yeah. was actually happening, because that's when you really kind of discover, oh yeah, this is just this is a creature digesting its food, and this is what it looks them. like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, do you understand the uh, physiolo- physiology of this creature? What is it doing to the humans? Is it compact them into like a it, like, whatever it, it does to excrete what it doesn't eat is just its own thing altogether. I'm not going to claim to know the uh, <laughs> physiology of this creature because when it unfolded, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like I, yeah, the I unfolding thought. of it was like, I was like trying was, to understand what was like. It was like this happening. beautiful like ribbon. Like moth. Moth. Yeah. Moth-like. Yeah, creature. It was. It was, like, it was a really cool design. It was like, like billowy. It was a uh, yeah. So many tarps or whatever. Did, did well, not in the wind. That. What was what made it more um, terrifying too was when you sucked everyone up. You can hear them screaming. Yes. Like in the sky because they're not <laughs> dead yet, and so they're still getting like you can hear them getting digested. And as the creatures like flying around, you just hear them screaming overhead, and it's like, man, that is. That's effective, man. It's like, effective. I gotta give him props. I, I thought the scene of the raining blood was incredible. Yeah, and over the house. That was one of my favorite parts of the movie. I thought yeah. that effect looked awesome. You don't uh, see raining blood very often, like literal raining blood. <laughs> yes, that was that was a great scene. Uh, do we have a nitpick with if you don't look at it, you are okay? Kind of. Yeah, because it seemed inconsistent to me. It I, seemed it, now. Now we're inferring that this thing has eyes. I mean, I guess it does. We don't. I mean, you never see the eyes, but like now, in the in that now, it also has like the ability to recognize, you know, that standoff. You know what I mean? Of like yes. a predator staring someone down. Yeah, I. It, I mean, it's it's fine. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's a nitpick that it may not totally work. But I think when you're in the moment, I think it works. I well, think the, the EMP, the EMP thing too. I was a little confused, like, because typically with an EMP, you're like frying the electronics rather than just like temporarily disabling them. Well, I mean, was it an EMP though? I mean, I think it was just maybe whatever yeah. it was giving off. You know, it just it whenever it was floating over, maybe it was disrupting all of the, yeah, I would attribute I it more to its movement is like magnetic or something. And yeah. so it's magnetism disrupts the electrical fields and causes them to stop. That's kind of what I, that's what I inferred from that rather than it like was trying to destroy electronics. Like, I don't think it was planned or like it would like choose to release an EMP yeah. to, because I don't think it's self-aware of like, oh, I can't be caught on camera. I'm going to destroy all of mm-hmm. the cameras in the area. It's just a natural part of its, you know, being. Yeah. It goes back to that bad miracle when the prey mantis flies into the camera. It's like you feel yeah. like it's like, oh, it's it's doing things to cause this disturbance so that we can't see it. When really it's like, no, they're not related. It just sucks that happened right when you had it happen, yeah. right? I, I think that's his I think that's his point. But I don't know. And and I will say this, I think the whole idea of not looking at it is meta commentary on humans wanting to look at yes. spectacle, right? And yes. like want to see harm. Like the idea of 
seeing Gordy kill those people is like the thing of legend that it was on camera and you would always wonder like, Oh, what if we could actually see that footage if it was never released? You know, like you yeah. would pay to see that kind of event. And that's like the, the thought is like, what, what is the film industry exploit? What do we all exploit as human beings, as human beings, yeah, right? Not even just like the film industry, but like, I think yeah, that just goes back to like, what is the very first thought that Daniel Kalu and, and, uh, uh, what's her face? Um, Kiki Palmer. I don't, Kiki I don't forget Palmer. her name. What their, their very first idea is to, Hey, let's do this to make money. Let's right. get it on camera. Let's get it on foot. And like, I think that is a very much, yes, it's like on the nose, but not really like Jordan Peele is totally just saying, look, we are a culture that wants to capture everything we can. Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost as if if you don't catch it on film, it doesn't exist. Yeah. If you don't take a picture of it, if you're not filming it, you may, it may as well not exist. And I think that that is a huge theme that he tackles in this movie that culturally is totally relevant. It's true. Like, yeah. people at concerts nowadays, <laughs> you look in a field of a concert, you're just seeing <laughs> cell phones in the air. That's all you're seeing. And it's like you you know you don't just see like people enjoying things like that anymore because if you don't film it and it's almost as if you weren't there. You can't Instagram yeah. it, you know, it's like were you really there? Did you really experience it? You know what I mean? And I think that just it, this just kind of takes that idea and blows it up to this next level where it's just like, hey, we can become rich if we can just get this the impossible shot, you know, and that's what they spend the entirety of the movie trying to do. Get the Oprah shot. That's yeah, get the, get the Oprah shot. That's all it is. <laughs> and I think that's further, and this may have been another nitpick for me, was the TMZ guy. I was going to just bring this up next. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A little bit of a nitpick because, one, it's it's out of left field. It totally happens just out of, out of nowhere, and he mm-hmm. comes and goes. And I, I, I thought that scene was awesome, though. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's an entertaining scene, but I also think what he represents is even further on the nose because now the yeah. guy like when he's injured on the ground he's like oh he's like are you filming me are you taking a picture like even while he's about to die he's worried about being caught on camera yeah. or catching whatever it is on camera and while i get it like that like that totally plays more to what peel is trying to say it just felt kind of out of place the whole tmz guy i think it actually that the way he reacted to him crashing and that like you said, like, oh, film me. Did you get it on camera? That was a little too much to yeah. me. It pulled me out a little bit, actually. Just a little. That moment. Yeah, because they had everything else going on. And, and you're feeling in that moment like, oh, shit, this guy's going to steal their thunder. Like, he's yeah. going to get it, and they're not. And so the, it was all for naught just to have him, you know, hilariously crash. Yeah. And... <laughs> But like, what are you really trying to say with that? Like you, you pointed out, like, did that guy really care that much about being filmed? Like, I think yeah, he would have been worried know. about dying at that point. Considering, yeah, everything like else. I, that's kind of what I thought. I'm like, look, TMZ people are total bastards, right? Sure, like these yeah. people that are just trying to harass people for a living. And, but I don't know. Anyone's put in that position. You're, I, I mean, do you really care at that point? Um, you know, and you never see their face. And I think that's another trying to represent like, Hey, this could be anyone. This could be all of us. This could be anyone trying to 
And, and I think it's interesting is his mirror helmet. Yes. Yes. Cause the idea is like, you know, Kiki Palmer staring back at herself while looking at him, like getting pissed at him essentially mm-hmm. for doing the same thing that she's trying to do. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like you're, he's a reflection of everyone in that movie. Who's just trying to make a buck doing yeah. the same thing. So there's some I, good representation and I think metaphor using that TMZ character, but I do think if you cut him out, you don't lose anything in the movie. Yeah, I don't think it harms it if he doesn't show up. So I have I have two things I really want to hit before we kind of settle up on Nope here. First thing, I found Angel's little monologue about UFOs extremely effective in the context of this movie. He's talking about the Navy the Navy videos that came out recently. Yeah. You see these things show up on these cameras and like it's all real footage we've all seen mm-hmm. and we kind of don't care at all as a culture. And then the idea of like we have this giant monster in the sky, right? Like what does this mean to us as a people? And in so many ways, I look at these pictures of NASA's posting about how big our universe is. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm nothing. And then I scroll down and I'm like, oh, it's a fart video or something. You know, it's like, it's insane how we as humans are like contemplating where we fit in the universe. (laughs) You're watching fart videos, dude? Or whatever. I don't know what I'm watching, dude. (laughs) Whatever shows up, you know, dumb shit. It's like housewives yelling at each other. You know, it's like, it's just crazy. Yeah. How we just change the channel on everything. You know, we, the idea of a UFO changes everything how we view our world yet we you know don't really think about it very long and we're on to the next yeah, thing. yeah yet we just move on to the next thing that will entertain us you know right and so did that like did that framing taylor to you make the movie more interesting thinking about huh what if this was real did that did that add any kind of like deeper layer to you or were you kind of just like eh? um I don't know. I think personally, I think there's probably a lot of weird kind of crazy shit people have seen, like just that maybe they don't have proof of that. Like maybe they claim and we don't believe and we kind of move on. Um, But I feel like not really, like it didn't really change how I felt about the movie. Like thinking about like, what if there's this giant monster in the sky? It just seemed, I don't know. It was like too the whole like esophagus eating UFO ribbon monster, it was just a little too out there for me, I think. Mm. Okay, that's fair. So rolling into the the final scenes, you know, the final scenes of the movie, they find a way to kind of hurt it. That beautiful giant balloon man smiling winking at you yeah. who finally had a place <laughs> in the movie. She goes back and uses the little photo bomb camera from the, you know, well looking up at the at the people looking down to kind of capture everything that's going on with Jean Jacket and trying to eat this giant balloon. Did you think, in some ways, it was like trying to say she got the shot, but did she? It's not like, going to change anything. That wouldn't like would that that wouldn't change anything at all, right? This goes back to glass. Like those those images don't do anything for anybody. I mean, isn't yeah. that the Oprah shot though? I mean, no, I think that's what it's supposed to be. I think it is supposed to be like to them, they think it's a they great got shot. It. Yeah, yeah. That's what, yeah, they they succeeded. But did you feel like that was the shot that would help them get there? Like to get the Oprah shot? Like those stills? I, 
I feel like a video would have been way more effective. Well, for sure. And I, but I yeah. also, I, I just also think, I mean, look at, it's funny because it, it kind of goes back to like, you know, when Angel's giving that speech, he's like, a lot of the footage we see is just shitty footage. It's all grainy. Yeah. Barely see it. Well, look where that, look at that photo, man. I mean, it's been <laughs> taken from the bottom of a well of, you know, an old ass camera. And it's like for this thing that could look like a number of different things because uh-huh. it's you, you no one's ever seen anything like it before and so how are you supposed to make that represent whatever it is it's supposed to be and i guess it's supposed to maybe when you assume when the thing falls to the ground you know they can analyze it dissect it really discover more about this thing mm. but yeah to me i think they think they got a win but i honestly think I don't see him like if we're talking like what happens after the we get done watching the movie to their characters. I don't think it changes much. How much are they selling that photo for? I think the real I think the real play is that people could come to the ranch and kind of hang out where the thing was. Right. Yeah. It it did drop to the ground and they collect it. You know. So they do the same thing that uh, Stephen Yoon did. Absolutely. It's a cycle. It's a cycle. (laughs) Find a way to make money, and you know. That's the thing is like it was a tragedy. That it thing was. just killed a bunch of people. A lot of people. And you know they still the thing they're still focused on is let's take a picture of this thing. You know it's like yeah up to the they don't care what's happening around them. And I again I think we you know we've probably beat this to death at this point. But I do think that's just and the whole the the whole idea that us we make everything a spectacle or we treat things like a spectacle in order to either ignore what's around us. Or to capitalize off of it, and whether that whether you know whatever is surrounding that spectacle, whether it's a tragedy, it's irrelevant because that's it's there to be a spectacle. It's there to distract you. It's there to help you gain whatever it is you're trying to gain, and you don't care about anything else. And I, it's just a very, it's a very I think impactful commentary on culture, which is exactly what Peel does in his movies, and he does it really well. Yep. I'm looking t- forward to a revisit of this in like October. I'm yeah, I am too. I'm going to watch this with the wife. I want to see where I land with it after a second watch. Right now, four stars. Yeah. Four out of five, baby. Four out of five. That's where I landed. Tay? Tay? <laughs> I'm probably going to give it three for me. That's Three fine. out of five. Let's hey, talk man. about a five star movie. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Gray Man. <laughs> Greatest movie ever made on Netflix. Yeah, let's hit this quick, guys. I don't know if I have a lot to say. This movie was really expensive. It has All right, a let's good cast. I think before we get going, I think we need to just take the budget discussion out of it. I don't think like I think we need to view this movie independent from the 200 million dollar budget okay i don't know what that adds i wasn't i was i don't think i was going to talk about it <laughs> no yeah. no well I, now i, I think... want to <laughs> well hey, put me in a corner <laughs> can't well, put baby in a corner come on a lot of what a lot of what i've heard is that basically like this is the best netflix could do for 200 million dollars it's always that this is mm. what we got for 200 million dollars but i think if you didn't know how much money that movie cost would you have a different perspective on the movie that's my question i'm gonna say if, no if, i'm gonna say you, no as well 
Not, not this particular movie, because I, I mean, we can get into it, but I feel like the, a lot of the, I think a lot of those tweets, cause I've seen similar things. Like a lot of them are related to Marvel movies. Like you'll, they'll show a shot of like black widow <laughs> of the scene where like Florence Pugh is like flying off the ship. And he's like, yeah, this movie costs 200 million. And then they'll show like a $50 million movie that looks way better, you know, or mm-hmm. something like that. Just kind of shitting on the VF, VFX department of these Marvel movies or these big budget, huge budget movies. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Taylor? It's like, well, we don't yeah. want to belittle it just because it's like, oh, well, look at this $50 million movie that looked better than this. Yeah, movie. that's kind of, that's kind of my point. It's like. It's like just because something's more expensive doesn't mean it necessarily like has to be superior in every aspect. And I think that like this movie's obviously flawed, but like I had a good time watching The Gray Man, if I'm being 100% honest. Like it's not perfect. It's very messy in a lot of places. I thought a lot of the action sequences looked really bad. Like the the plane sequence specifically yeah they got kind of crazy i thought it looked terrible when he's cg falling out of the plane that was a disaster but there were a lot of fun stupid actions sequences in this movie that i enjoyed and so so yeah i don't know okay go ahead okay so you had a good time bilmo how was your time i i enjoyed it too i did i mean and I th- I may have been colored by the reviews I had been seeing before on like mm. Letterboxd and Twitter. People really just kind of shitting on it. I'm not saying it was like, this is garbage. I, I mean, but I do think I was colored by that aspect. Cause it's like, I was going with, I mean, it's like Ryan Gosling, Russo brothers are plenty capable of making a, a good movie. Yeah. Um, they're good at action. Anna Diarmas, Chris Evans. I mean, who's a total prick um, Finally. on, on and <laughs> off the set. Um, <laughs> oh, you I mean, got Deets offset? No, I mean I don't know any things. I just think he's a douchebag. <laughs> he's a douchebag. Totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, no, he and was I born think to be a douchebag. Yeah, and that's where that's where he works. He works best in the movies where he's playing a complete asshole, dude. Like and that's why we wasted a decade with the Captain America bullshit. Yes, we totally did because you it's watch like... this and then you watch Knives Out. And he is so much better and like enjoying himself. And you can almost just buy into his character more when yeah. he's just being a total ass. And I feel like I actually think he worked well. He and Gosling worked well in this movie together. Mm-hmm. Um, and Anna Diarmas. I honest, I thought the cast was good. She's I did. Great. I liked, I liked all three of them. Beautiful. Um, Billy Bob, nice little throw in, you know, yeah. he's doing Billy Bob stuff that he's supposed to do. And, in his and, movies, <laughs> he seemed he seemed and, way overqualified for that. Part. And who else? And kid actress uh, from and Once the Upon a Time yeah. in Hollywood. And the kid actress. And the kid actress. They had to Can't, use the kid in this movie. <laughs> couldn't get away from it. But she's funky. against kids. She's an adult in a kid's body with cancer. How do we rate this kid actress? She's a pacemaker, bro. Among amongst you know other kid actors. I thought she was fine. Yeah, I don't think she was actively bad. She definitely wasn't good. <laughs> She's she not was good. Fine. They write her. They wrote her to be too like spunky. They spunky. overdo it. And yeah, like an asshole. Like she's like, I'm a smart asshole. Like yeah, and I'm immune to watching people die and yeah. you know being okay and, with it. And I really like vinyl. <laughs> and I love yeah. vinyl. She's an old soul. 
She's fine. It's yeah. Can I tell you guys my biggest beef with the movie? Go for it. And I hate this shit. It's this isn't new. I fucking hate when they go to like twenty five different cities and countries. Well, I was gonna say that's where movie. the budget is, dude. Because they and went they to put, every country and they put yeah, the they stupid, were actually there. Yeah. And they put the stupid card over, we went here, we went here. I don't give a shit where you go in these movies. I don't give a fuck if it's Bangkok or Prague or Australia. It doesn't matter to me. Just stay put. It it drives me crazy. But it just shows they're, like, really moving. They're going everywhere, man. This place but is just on the run. Stop on the run. But it adds nothing I think it. I think it adds something. I mean, it, I think it makes for it's a more interesting movie as opposed to hey, the whole movie took place in New York. I don't know. Like the fact that he's it. Sh- it does show that one. The network that he has is way bigger, you know, than just like a city or a state or even a country. It's just like he can. He has contacts in all these places that he's been working for all of these years, and I think you can showcase that by making the pit stops that he does along the way. It just felt excessive in this movie specifically. $200 million, dude. It was That's like why. every 10 minutes. They're like, we're in a new location now. Just, yeah, he's on the run. Look, oh. <laughs> he's running, man. <laughs> Crash the plane over Turkey or some shit. And then they go to Prague and then they go to France. I don't know. Greece. <laughs> yeah, but, no, but you're right though. It's like, they could have chosen to do this on a, on a green screen. <laughs> Green, green screen, you know, soundstage yeah. the whole movie. But, you know, they make the effort to go to these locations to film on. Lo- and I have to appreciate that because we're so overridden with these green screen bullshit. Yeah. And yeah. While the movie doesn't like, yeah, look, I gave this movie three out of five. And I do think that was colored by my expectations going into it a little bit. I mean, I think the ending totally failed to stick the landing. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Ending sucked. Ending sucked. Um you know, look, the not the everything after the duel with Chris Evans. I thought the mm-hmm. duel with Chris Evans was great. I actually think every action scene in this movie was worthwhile. Like I I thought it's well done. I the fighting I was a, great. I had fun. Yeah. It, it just was fun. And what my do we, wife, what do we think about the park bench scene? Which one is that? I'm trying the to remember. The one where he's, he's, he's tied to the, the park handcuff to it. And somehow oh, doesn't yeah, get yeah, shot yeah, 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 when yeah. there's a hundred people in the square. Doesn't I mean, get a... He was laying know. down. Yeah, he's <laughs> behind the wall, dude. Laying down behind the wall. He was a, he was a low target. But like there was also, there was another, they were fighting off the police at the same time, weren't they? Like yeah, there was what I said. There was two other parties, yeah, in between them. The cops were fighting to get him, and then they realized they had to go fight mercenaries. So he was just, you know, left alone for a few minutes so he could get out. Tracks. I, I thought it was funny. He, sh- he used all his bullets and forgot the one bullet to break his handcuffs. That was yeah. funny. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good. Uh, this movie was just fun. See, and like, it's, that's all yeah, it is. It's that, it's that self-aware, you know, that yeah. can make a joke like that while also still trying to, you know, carry your everyday story that we've seen a million times, you know, and it's like. I've said this on here before, but I, I, cause it rings true is, uh, um, the quote who said it, it was, a film critic, Roger Ebert, mm. where he said, it's not what a movie it's, it's not what a movie is about. It's how it's about it, yeah. you know? And so it, we can see the same story a million times, but the million times it can work every single time. If it's going about it in a unique way or an impactful way or a well-executed way and i think this movie does fail to go about it 
in all of the right ways, obviously, but I think it's just enough to, hey, like, and and we're and we're talking Netflix movie standards here. Uh-huh. Like, we are talking Netflix originals, and I think if we're really trying to use that as a gauge of like, hey, if I'm going to watch a Netflix movie, I'm turning on Gray Man over probably nineteen of out of nineteen out of twenty yeah. of these movies. You know what I mean? It's like you're going to watch no Bright way. first out of this. Come on, yeah, no, <laughs> get out of here, no. So you why watch do... Cloverfield, whatever that <laughs> paradox? Shit was? Paradox. Oh my gosh, dude! So why do Netflix movies lack punch? Why do they not have it? It's like it's cast that you know. Like this yeah. is like a top build cast. Do you think they're like two hands why? off? Do you think that's the problem? Because like with a studio movie, there's a lot of like hands on. There's a lot of hands going in there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen if you will right so it's you're almost arguing that it's to a film's benefit to have the studio maybe being more involved than less you see a lot of examples through movies where studios stepped in and said change this one scene and like oh yeah completely change the movie like Mm. you see that over and over a producer's like no change this like sometimes like i think sometimes as a creator maybe you get too indulgent in like Sometimes you need to be a little tempered, I think. Rate, rate you know, it in you, a little bit. Yeah. yeah, you need to have someone to you need, you can't just be a surrounded by yes men, you know, like yeah. it's worth it to have someone there that's going to pull your reins back a little bit. And I I think you're right, Taylor. I do. I think Netflix has been a great and streaming in general has been a great example of like, hey, let's let these guys have free reign. Let's give them money to do what they want. Um and yeah, I think more often than not it doesn't always work and it could be because hey like we complain plenty of movies where we think studio interference totally ruins movies and that definitely happens but it's also i think there's there is a good balance where you have the producer that is and i kind of gained a different perspective on this from that mini series the offer did you guys ever check that out with miles teller Mm -mm. Mm -mm. the whole mini series is about the making of the godfather um Great miniseries. And it it just gave me the perspective of this producer named Robert Evans, who produced Chinatown. He produced a bunch of movies for Paramount, including The Godfather. And it just shows how much they are involved. Like you have the director who has the vision, who wants to do all these things, and the producer's there to kind of like bless what he wants to do. You know, and I think there is a good balance there when you have a good producer and your director that has a good relationship. And I think Netflix lacks that producer aspect because Netflix is the producer. And it yeah. seems like they just said, here's the money. Go do what you want. You know, bye bye. And I, yeah. And I think it just fails to more often than not, they're not going to be able to, I don't know, create a quality product as quality of a product as they could otherwise. So. I'll leave you with this. What would the gray man benefit from to like take this movie from a three to like a four star movie? I've got an idea. I'm curious what Taylor would say though. I think it needs to go more, more John wick style. I think they need to focus more like basically make it all practical. I think that's what they need to do. So it was for you more of a visual style than a thematic story. Was yeah, lacking. like it. I think this movie is clearly self-aware. It's clearly intending to be silly, 
it's it's in on the joke it knows it's ridiculous it's supposed to just be kind of a fun time i think with cool action and and i think a lot of the scenes like the plane specifically for me looks so bad that it took me out of it like i want to see like mission impossible john wick level just practical stunts and shit like that i think that's that's what would take it for gray man too i hope they go more that direction and you know that shows why those mission impossible movies john wick movies are what they are because Mm -hmm. it's not that you you want that you want what you just described in the movie but not a lot of people can do that is the thing they can't do it safely it's hard to set up willing to do it (laughs) or willing to do it yeah and that's what is nice when you have movies set themselves apart from doing things that are really difficult. I'm going to jump on this bandwagon here. The whole plot with the kid ruins the movie. Frankly, it it's very, it's just such a trope of like young kid that needs to be saved. Got some condition. It's a cop had out. A tough life. It's just a cop out. They had to shoehorn in all these scenes of them trying to save her and give him like, that's the reason why he does what he does. Yeah. I don't know. I just, it's totally agree. Th- it slowed things down for me. I want to see freaking Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling try and best each other because they fucking want to best each other. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, that's enough. Just let their machismo do their shit and, and let's run with it. Because I thought everything else that kind of got pulled in was like, yeah, we've seen this how many times? And I don't think it was done very well. I think Gosling as a cold-blooded killer is more interesting, too. Yeah. Like, that, he doesn't have a reason for why he killed his dad. It's just I want yeah, he can have his daddy have... trauma. I think it's okay to have the daddy trauma. I don't. I don't know. I, I think it's you also could go either way. Yeah, you could. Yeah, take it's it also an it. easy trope. I, I I agree. I think you could go like, hey, what if he? You don't really know why he killed his dad. You know? Yeah. Why leave do you, it ambiguous. you maybe don't you leave? Yeah, leave it ambiguous. Um, dude, I totally agree. You leave the kid out of this movie once again. <laughs> um, I mean, why was Billy Bob not enough? Because he he had the father figure yeah. that they relationship that they kind of alluded to they didn't get to explore right. a whole lot you just kind of you're just supposed to accept that for 10 years they were working close together um you know that obviously Gosling doesn't have his dad he acted as the and like why is that not enough if like they kidnapped billy bob and threatened to kill him why do you have to go take it one step further and have billy bob's niece involved and that's somehow gonna get Gosling's motivations up it's just like <laughs> Because now we have to waste scenes to some kid yeah. that I don't give it, a shit about. It is pretty funny. Does. It's pretty funny that both of his mentors, both kamikaze bomb, sacrifice themselves for him. Yeah. Like yeah. literally the same exact way. <laughs> <laughs> they blow themselves up for the same gosling. It's that a, was pretty funny. I, I mean, yeah, and I don't you know. know, honestly, I gotta give props to Chris Evans. I, I liked watching him in his role. I did. Where he, if he can just play pricks the rest of his life, I he, he's gonna it'll serve him well. Just we preppy, love- psychotic douchebag. That's yeah. that's uh, that's where he should be. Rich asshole. Yeah. In lives out and yeah, psychotic preppy douchebags and gray man and he's he'll kill it. He'll make money the rest of his life. He's great at it. He's great at it. He he just looks and plays the part perfectly. So and he was cold blooded. When he, he goes into that room and that passport guy, and he just like, yeah. he's like, "Hey, where's my money?" And he just shoots him without even like <laughs> right. looking at him. I'm like, "Damn, dude!" Like, 
you know and i also think this movie pilot yeah like he and i i think he this could have benefited from even going to an r rating make it a little more violent because it you know it does shy away from a lot of the actual action and violence that was kind of happening off screen so i think actually you know going with the kind of the john wick thing it's like john wick does not shy away from any of that stuff and i think that helps the movie it elevates it true yeah I, so, actually now you say that i hadn't thought about that i didn't realize but it, yeah they don't really swear and it is yeah it's pg-13 PG it's a great pg-13 yeah. action movie great you know? little action movie whatever you know, you know making the boomers happy keeping out all <laughs> yeah. that icky blood and sex and foul language so yeah great man, man. <sighs> My yeah. wife gave it, I asked her before I came on here, I said, what do you give the gray man? She said, I, I give it a 7.5 or an 8 out of 10. Wow. She yeah. liked it. So I'm saying, like, she. What about, what, what What did you give it? I gave it a 6. Okay. What about uh, out of stars? Like, was that. Yeah, was that it's three a 3. It's a 3 out of 5. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like it a 3. I know you do the 5 stars. I just like the 10 because I feel like I get a little more. I don't, I don't know. I guess you room. get it both ways. Yeah, because you yeah. do halves. I guess I give it a I give it like a six and a half. I think it's your, a great your... watch. Yeah, what, it is like a, a one time watch. watch. I'm never gonna watch it again. I'm never no. turning it on again. There's no reason to. <laughs> Why would I? There's really then... <laughs> no reason to. Like that's the thing. There's nothing to pick apart this movie. There's a lot better movies that I can have on in the background if I right. want something on in the background. Right. I'll put the fugitive on. You know. Yeah. Rather than this movie, and to have on the background, There's plenty. Plenty of other things you could watch, and so they said they're getting a sequel. Whatever, yeah. I guess I'll turn. I I probably won't. Honestly, stuff like this, I don't usually watch the sequels because it's not gonna be good. But it's Gosling. I but it is Gosling. That's true. Maybe are you not gonna watch all of Gosling shit? Like I feel like <sighs> everything he comes out, with, I'm I'm gonna I'm there for. He hasn't it, it, had a movie for a while before this either. And while we're talking about Gosling, and this is, I guess, where I kind of want to leave you, we got the Gray Man, but why didn't we get a Nice Guys too, dude? I saw that. I saw a tweet in that same regard. It's like, hey, we're getting a Gray Man two. We're getting the sequel that nobody wants, while everybody would be just head over heels yeah. for Nice Guys two, dude. Yeah, man. I'm, I don't no, know, I'm, man. I'm pro Gosling. We've got some more Gosling content coming our way. I can't wait to talk about this Barbie movie, whatever the hell it turns out to be. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm intrigued. There's there's stuff coming out, and I am pro Gosling. So you're right. Maybe I do watch it. I just think it can't be that good. Whatever no. Gray Man Two is going to be, it's not going to be good. So, guys, it's freaking late, but I'm so happy we did this. Any parting shots? Any homework? Avoid movies with kids as much as you can. I mean, we are we got we have to do a kids episode. We have to get to yeah because we have to give some kids some shout outs where it works because I think it's worth pointing those out. But anyway, go see Nope. It's great. See it. Um, it's really good. Um, I'm excited for Bullet Train. I'm seeing it this mm. week. Getting some Brad Pitt in my veins Let's go. again. I'm excited. Um, and yeah, Gray Man. Watch it. Don't watch it. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Take it or leave it. Tay? Yeah. I think August should be fun. I think new releases are going to slow down quite a bit. So we'll get a little more creative. I think we're going to do a little horror breakdown for you guys this month. 
do an episode on the kids. That kids episode's gonna be fun. I'm I'm looking forward to that. I think we gotta do like the whole <laughs> spectrum, right? Like the best kids performance and then like some oh, of the yeah. worst, dude. Yeah, Man, I, I gotta find out who holds the belt for the kids performance. All right, I like this. This is good I mean, homework. Coley Culkin is I mean yeah. come on. <laughs> it's gotta be. Uh yeah, I, I, I'm not ready for this yet. I'm no, going to get ready, though. I'm going to be ready for this conversation. You Stranger Things fans, watch out, because I'm coming for a couple of the kids. I think they suck ass. <laughs> like, a couple of them. You'll have to stay tuned for who I'm referring to. We might have to time box this so we don't get too, too contemporary. Because I kind of want to go, like, the <laughs> before 2010. Because if we just get into shitting on the Stranger Things kids, I might have a... That no, we'll, we'll cover the pantheon, dude. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I got I'm, I'm not say. into Stranger Things, so I mean, <laughs> I mean we'll go all the way back to Stand by Me, ET, you know, the Goonies. Yeah, we can get into it. All right, homies, go see Nope. Check out Bullet Train. We're gonna be watching, and then we'll come back to you guys later. Everybody, stay safe out there, boys. Until next time, peace. Sunk.